You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. This is Destination Health. My co-host, Kim Graham, is with me. And this is the show where we take your calls and answer your questions about everything health. You can ask about diet, nutrition, fitness, food, training, exercise, disease, injury, drugs, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is ask the question. We've been lied to for decades and it is killing us. Kim and I are here to help you find your path to destination health. We're going to get to your calls in just a little bit. I want to bring Kim back in. Kim, welcome back. Hi, Kevin. So glad to be here. Hey, is this the uh, first show of the new year? It is, isn't it? It is. It is the first show of the new year. So pretty exciting. I I always love the new year just because it's, I don't know, it it makes me reset, reflect and reset. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. Um, you know, we, I, I took more time off over the last couple of weeks than I have in a long time. Time off mostly from the show and normal work, but I did a ton of reading, a ton of research. Um, if I went through everything that I wanted to talk about today, we wouldn't take any calls for three hours. I mean, I, I've had I've got so much stuff, so I'll spread it out. We won't do it all today. Um, today, we're going to stay somewhat general. I'm not going to get too specific about things. But I, I am just really recommitted. I, I, I've been pretty committed to this for two years, but I'm even more committed now, and I know you are as well. The more I read, the more I realize there needs to be more voices out there with a different message. The, you know, I, I, I was thinking, I, I've, for the last 30 years or so, almost. I've worked a lot around money and finances. I was a certified financial planner. And the saying that used to kind of drive me crazy was the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer. And there was always this implication that it was somehow rigged. And, you know, it had to do with regulation or taxes or or whatever it is. And all of those things may play a part in it. But what it really comes down to is knowledge. The rich keep getting richer because they keep doing the things that made them rich in the first place. They understand how to how to accumulate money. And that may not even be important to some people. And if it's not, no big deal. I mean, money certainly isn't everything, but money helps a lot of other things if it's used right. And once you understand how to make money, save money, accumulate money, well, then why wouldn't you? I mean, you would just keep doing that. So, of course, the rich are going to get richer. The poor, on the other hand, haven't figured out how to make, save, or accumulate money, and things tend to get worse for them. Very seldom do you ever stand still in life. You're always moving in one direction or another. So it really has very, very little to do with our system or government or taxes or anything else. It really comes down to knowledge, and that's never going to change. As long as you think it's government or a conspiracy, then you're never going to do anything different and nothing's going to change. Now, I am looking at this from the health perspective, and I can see this starting to happen already, and it's going to accelerate. There are people who are kind of dropping out of the mainstream as far as how they eat, how they exercise, how they live, and they're getting much healthier. On the other hand, the vast majority of people are getting sicker and sicker every year. And, and the only thing that is going to change that is knowledge. It's not regulation. Uh, we could regulate the pharmaceutical companies all we want. It's not going to matter. We could regulate the doctors, the medical communities, the food companies. It won't matter. They'll find a way around any regulation we come up with. The only thing that's going to fix this for people is knowledge. They need to learn. And... I thought money was a confusing area for people, and it is. 
multiply that by a hundred when it comes to health, how complicated this could be. It doesn't need to be, but it could be. And because it's so complicated, it's hard to know who to trust and who to believe because I can find an argument and evidence for anything you want to come up with around health. If, if somebody wanted to find all the arguments about why being a vegan is healthy, you can go find them, but it's not necessarily true. We could go find lots of reasons and support on why maybe you should be on a statin, but it's not true. So uh, this is just a, a really complicated area, but I'm really, after looking at more and more statistics, I'm convinced we need to double down on what we're doing and help more people understand how to be healthy. Yeah. And I love that because just learning myself through the NTC program too, you learn more and you, you start to realize how much you don't know. Um, and a lot of that, what we had before was just our preconceived ideas because it's how we grew up, you know, like we, we thought we knew a certain way and then you read and the other thing I would recommend with people is just that, too, is that you got to live it as well. So if you're going to go read it and um, find something you truly believe in, if you're not living it, um, it you're just going to be blowing smoke. You, you have to be convicted and believe it and live it because you're going to come up against people, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners and, you know, and tribe already have when they're trying to show people and talk about fat, then they instantly get that pushback, you know, that's going to make you fat and cholesterol and heart attack and all that kind of stuff. So you have to be convicted. You have to be convicted and, and, and get educated and, and be ready to stand your, you know, not stand your ground, but just because you're teaching. You, you don't want to do this to preach. You want to do it to, to help teach. Yeah. You know, you make a good point. It, it's, you know, I, I love talking to, I don't care who it is, a doctor, a surgeon, a nurse, medical personnel, whatever. I've done enough research that I'm confident I, I can point to the research. I, but for a lot of people, it can be very intimidating, especially if, let's say, they're, they might be talking to somebody who is in the healthcare field. And, mm -hmm. you know, they feel like, oh, well, I can't possibly tell them because, you know, they, they have to know more. But they don't. People in the medical field don't understand nutrition. Let's just start there. And, and that is a blanket statement. There are certainly some people in the medical field who understand nutrition, but only because they have chosen to go out and research it themselves. It's not part of their curriculum. Doctors are not taught nutrition. Nurses are not taught nutrition. Nutritionists are taught the wrong nutrition. So that's really bad. Um, but it's finally starting to change. So um, I, I, one of the statistics I read, and when I read it, I thought, this can't be true. I, I have to dig deeper because that's one of the things you have to be careful of today. You, you can't just read one thing in one place and think that's true. You've got to dig deeper. You've got to find the source. You've got to find out who funded the research. And that's why I, it just takes me so long sometimes to do some of this research because you just have to keep digging until you find, you know, the right answer or, or the one with the most evidence that doesn't seem to be directed by who paid for the study. Because yeah, that's men, a really good point. men of the studies today are funded by companies without you knowing it. Mm -hmm. that have a huge stake in, you know, what that article says. I mean, why, why in the world would a company like Coca-Cola ever put money into medical research? They have a product that has no nutritional value whatsoever, none, zero. Why would they care about medical research? They shouldn't because their product has nothing to do with health. And yet they fund tons of medical research. And the article will come out about how, you know, all the new information about sugar is just wrong. It's not that bad for you. And, and you, turn, you find out that this is funded by Coca-Cola. Well, come on. But mm -hmm. that, that's why so many people are so confused. But the statistic that I read, and the one I had to just keep digging and digging to make sure it was right, 
and it was interesting. I first started reading the article, and it was talking about the year 2011, and that one in 10 people, including children, one in 10 were on psychiatric medication. And I was blown away by that. I'm like, one in 10 on psychiatric medication. Why would that be? And as I'm being kind of appalled by that number, it turns out that the article was really about the new numbers from 2015. So one in 10 to me sounded horrendous. Well, it turns out four years later, it is now one in six. Why wow. in the hell would it increase like that? That's insane. But that's the kind of stuff we're seeing. And that's where I'm talking about this divide of some people getting much healthier because they understand the way to be healthier and the rest of the population getting much sicker and on many more drugs. We're going to talk about that more when we get back. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. Kim, can you believe that? Not only one in six, which is a, a number that just blows me away. Psychiatric medication, anti-anxiety, antidepressants, whatever they might be. Um, but one in six is horrible, but that's up from one in 10 just four years ago. Mm -hmm. That is. What scary. could possibly that is explain that? I don't know, to tell you the truth, except that, you know, it, we are a stressed society, going looking for answers, and there are a number of, of prescription drugs, medicines that you can take to try to get some, some relief, although, um, oh my gosh, the side effects you read on those, too, are crazy. And you were talking prescription, and there's a couple commercials. That, you know, we talked commercials, too, on TV. And those are some of the ones I'm starting to see more and more as well. And, and we're giving them to children younger and younger, yeah. which is really scary. So yeah. I, I have all these examples of all these medications that the, the frequency of use is increasing dramatically every year not a little bit we're talking about huge jumps in numbers far if, if i were if i were buying stock i would be seriously looking at pharmaceutical companies although i couldn't do that for moral reasons if you just wanted to profit the pharmaceutical companies seem to be just going gangbusters and it doesn't mm -hmm. seem to be going down it seems to be getting worse um so one of the things i i thought okay what do we do with that you know, there is so much information there. It's just everywhere and people have to be confused. So how do you know who to trust? How do you know who to believe? We believed the government guidelines for decades and look where it got us. We know we can't listen to the government. Um, but it, you look around and, and health advice is just everywhere. And it's so contradictory. So it's no wonder why people are confused and some finally throw up their hands and say, I quit. I, I don't know what to believe. So, you know, I know we have some people who follow us. They listen to us. They take our advice. It's working for them. They trust us. I mean, that that's part of what we do. But what about new people? And we're getting new people interested all the time. So I thought, how do you, how do you convince somebody? Because there's lots of other people out there saying other things that are convincing. And I thought, the only way I really know to convince somebody is with results. Try something, see what kind of results you can get in measure, and, and go from that. So 
what I'm going to start working on are, and, and we've done a little bit of this. We're going to expand it in 2017. We're going to get better at this. We're going to do more of them. What I'm looking at is taking a specific condition or a specific class of drugs, and we'll start with the worst, um, which we've kind of already done. The, the biggest problem we faced in the trucking industry is blood sugar control. So we've done some very specific protocols around blood sugar. Do this, 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 and this. You'll lower your blood sugar. And if you do that for somebody and they see the results and they measure it, and, and we can measure it in lots of different ways, in blood sugar and blood pressure and weight and the way people feel, when you get results like that, that tends to, to take away some of the doubt. You, you can see the results. You know, and if we think about the whole low-fat push for 40 or 50 years, did anybody see any results from that? Any good results? Mm, no. <laughs> no. Everybody got fatter. I mean, mm. come on, all you look at the statistics. Everybody got fatter and sicker. So that didn't work. We see what the results are. So I, I and I say I, and when I say that, I really mean all of us because everybody here at Let's Truck is a part of all of this and it takes a lot of work. But I want to work on really specific protocols to help somebody move away from prescription drugs. And we've shown in diabetes, it's clearly possible. In fact, it, it, it almost looks easy, not, not really easy to do in real life, but it's pretty darn simple and people get fast results. Um, I, I actually, I've gone back and looked at the blood sugar protocols we did, which were excellent. And they're helping a lot of people. But the more I learn, I started tweaking them. I'm not ready to release the new ones yet, but I'm getting close. I'm, I'm looking at kind of, reworking the bulletproof coffee just a little bit for some of you who has blood sugar issues and developing a drink in the evening for the very same reason. And I like the drink idea. Um, bulletproof coffee is kind of like um, really functional food. You know, the last recipe I did, when you look at all the benefits you get from drinking a cup of that in the morning, I really like that idea. It's simple. It's an easy habit to create because people tend to wake up and drink something right away. So you're going to be consistent with it. And I thought, okay, what if we do that at night too? What if we get people into the habit of drinking something before they go to bed that is also functional? And I looked at a couple of things. Let's make it relaxing so it actually helps them sleep. And there are several things we can do along those lines. But the evening is a great time to work on blood sugar control. You know, you and I have talked about eating a snack with some fat and some carbs or a little protein and some carbs or maybe even all three right before you go to bed. And it helps regulate blood sugar at night. But there are some things we could do to not only regulate blood sugar at night, we could lower blood sugar. And I have some early results. And, and when I'm all done with this testing, I'll probably post these. Uh, but I've been monitoring my blood sugar for a couple of years now. And I've got really good history. And in two weeks of drinking this at night, and I haven't finished the recipe yet. I still need to work on taste and make it easy to do in the truck and some other things. But in two weeks of playing around with this, I dropped my average blood sugar numbers by 10 points and mine aren't even high. Wow. That'd be yeah. interesting to see. That's awesome. I love you testing it. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So now I just got to kind of tweak <laughs> that. And once I do, I'll, I'll do a video and we have to come up with a cool name. I don't want to keep using bulletproof for one. It's trademark. That's Dave Asprey's thing. Um, and I don't mind using it so much on the coffee because we promote all of his products. You know, to make Bulletproof Coffee, we promote his Brain Octane and, um, you know, his hot chocolate or his hot chocolate or his cocoa. So I don't mind so much there, but we got to come up with a cool name for our nighttime drink. Um, oh, okay, so yeah. <laughs> we'll work on that. And if anybody's listening, the, yeah. two things. It's going to help you relax and sleep, and it's going to help control blood sugar, lower blood sugar, not just control it, actually lower it. And, and this is a big one. It's going to be very supportive for the adrenals. Nice. Yeah. So we need to. Because we're seeing a lot of need for that. 
we are seeing a lot of need for that. So, and then we will move on. We'll move on to the next class of what I consider to be abused drugs. Um, I think the medical community is abusing the, the drugs um, quite a bit. And we'll move on to the next popular class and come up with a protocol to move away from those. Um, you know, we've done it a little bit with the uh, PPIs, the, the heartburn medication. We've done it a little bit with blood sugar. Um, oh, another benefit to this drink, and I haven't uh, started checking my numbers on this yet. Um, it, it should, and I have to test this more, it should lower blood pressure as well. Hmm. Yeah, kind of amazing. So uh, what else did I have? Oh, um, we've talked a lot about uh, Roundup Ready crops and glyphosate and, and those kind of things and how unhealthy they are. And it turns out not only are they unhealthy, but they are no longer being as effective as they used to be. So um, Roundup is uh, an herbicide, kills weeds. Well, it turns out, like most things in nature, if you use it enough, the weeds fight back and the weeds figure out how to become resistant to this. And we're seeing more and more of this. Farmers are finding out they're using more and more glyphosate, more and more Roundup, and it's not working. They're getting weeds that are tolerating um, the glyphosate and it's not killing them. Well, part of that could be because of all the genetically modified crops that have been genetically modified to be resistant to glyphosate. These other plants could be picking up that tolerance from them. I don't know how it's happening, but it's happening. So there is another chemical called Paraquat that is so incredibly poisonous, it's unbelievable. Um, it's poisonous enough that it's actually used by some people to commit suicide because it takes such a small amount and it kills you so quickly. It's, it's completely banned in 32 countries. 32 countries around the world have banned this for use on crops. Not the US, still completely legal here and its use is increasing every year. Isn't that insane? That's scary. Wow. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll get to a break. We'll come back. A couple more things, Kim. We'll see if you want to start with anything, and then we'll get right to your phone call. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're going to get to your calls in just a minute. So, Kim, and I, it turns out that they use this product the same way they use glyphosate. During the growing season, they use it to kill weeds. A couple days before harvest, they saturate the plants with it. It has something to do with drying out the corn or something that makes it easier to plow back under. I don't understand it all because I get disgusted when I read some of this stuff. Um it's just amazing to me. So you really, really, again, and I know it's hard when you're on the road, but you've got to look for the best sources of food you can find. Yeah. Yeah. So hmm. how do you even, so just stick it with just straight organic. That's how you're naturally going to avoid it. But how do you even find out what is used on products? In the yeah. And what, yeah. Here's the thing, a, a conventional product I just wouldn't trust. And I, I, I right. eat conventional vegetables because I can't get everything organic and I certainly can't get mm -hmm. it local all around. 
but I just try to minimize as much as I can. I mean, I, I and price to me is no longer an issue. I honestly mm-hmm. don't care if they charge me three times more for an organic onion. I'm going to buy organic when I can get it. So when I go to the grocery store now, I go to the organic section first and I buy everything that I normally eat. If it's available in organic, that's what I buy. Then if there's something like maybe they didn't have organic parsley that day, um, then I'll go buy conventional if I really need it. Or I'll try to plan my meals around what I can get organic. Um, mm-hmm. So it, again, it's like most things. It's not an all or nothing. But the more you pay attention to it, is it, being aware, we talk about that a lot. Just be aware mm-hmm. of what you're eating and, and know when you have another choice. And this summer, really, really support all of the farmer's markets you can find. Mm-hmm. You know, organic is wonderful because at least we know um, we're not getting, if it's organic, it's not sprayed with paraquat and glyphosate. We at least know that. If it's organic, it's not genetically modified. We at least know that. Those are all improvements. There are still some very, very large-scale organic operations. In fact, most of the stuff we find in the grocery store isn't going to be local organic. It's big operations. Mm -hmm. But it's still better. You know, I'm sure we could go find practices that aren't perfect. They're probably doing things that, you know, a small local organic farm wouldn't do. But it's still way better than dealing with this kind of crap being sprayed on our food. So, you know, seek out organic when you can. Seek out local and, and, you know, farmer's markets when you can. That's even better. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because you you always do these things that, you know, that like those song things that make you go, hmm. (laughs) You made us make us think about it. And even though we know they're organic and you know that, you know, the dirty dozen that you should, you know, you should try to avoid. I honestly had never gone back and I know you've brought this up before, but I've never actually done the research and looked to see, okay, so why, why are these the dirty dozen as far as like what could be on them and, and what it could do to it. I've never uh, really gone that far. And that's, that would be fascinating to learn more because there's that conviction. And again, it's just more education to build your conviction of uh, what you're going to do. Yeah, it's funny you say that when you were saying dirty dozen, a text message popped up from my son, Michael, and he talks about the dirty dozen and the clean 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and you both of those. And, and it just gives you an idea of, let's say, like for me, I will always buy organic if I can get it. So that's what it comes down to. But let's say you are on a budget and, and you've got to pick and choose and you can't buy everything organic. This would be a great list to start with. Because what it tells you in produce, it will show you which crops are cleaner, even if they're not organic. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, yeah. one of them that comes to mind, avocados. Um, those are not quite as bad to eat conventional because they have such a thick skin that mm-hmm. the fruit itself isn't going to absorb any of the herbicides or pesticides. Now, the plant could still get it through the roots. It can still make it into the fruit, but that's a safer product than, say, and I don't have the list in front of me, but, you know, something like a green pepper where you eat every part. You're eating mm-hmm. the part that got sprayed. Right. You know, right. directly. So, and I don't know if green pepper was a great example or not, because I wasn't looking at the list. Um, And I should probably go study both of those lists more. But for me, I I just always seek out organic when I can get it. That, Mm -hmm. but this list would be a great place to start. So you have an idea of which vegetables you should really look for in organic and which ones you might be able to slack off a little bit on. Yeah, and there's some good websites um, out there, too, too, if you're on the road that you can find. Um, I'll have to look up the one, and Matt had shared it with us, oh, some harvest, um, where you can find on the road places to search out uh, farmer's markets and so forth out there. Yeah. In fact, why don't you uh, post those up on Destination Health on Facebook again? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's local harvest. We'll do that. Local harvest sounds right. Yeah, and Weston A. Price has one for finding like raw milk and raw dairy, and yeah, and we'll get. That. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Weston A. Price, how are your studies going? Uh, great. <laughs> They're good. 
time to find, which is frustrating because we have midterms next week. And, and I don't like, I don't like, I mean, I'm cramming for it at this point. Um, it's just the material is so fascinating. I just want to actually marinate it and just really just take my time, take more time with it. So, you know, we'll back up and it's interesting because we're using a lot of it too, you know, which is wonderful to put it into practice um, as we're, as I'm learning uh, that you've already gone through. But yeah, um, if I encourage anybody to look at it, even, you know, just the reading material, the way they run the whole class, I'm just so grateful. I love the digestive system now that I know how it works. You know? oh. Everybody should know. Everybody should know how the digestive system works because, good Lord. Speaking of yeah. which, speaking of which, um, believe it or not, and this is kind of why we have to really be careful what we believe about medicine. Um, this was just announced like, less than a day ago. As far as I can tell, I've never seen it anywhere else. And all the news reports I'm reading are six hours, 17 hours. Somebody just claimed they've discovered a new organ in our body. Oh, seriously. And it's part Where of our digestion. <laughs> it's actually in our digestive system. It's in our colon um, and our intestines. It's in a couple different places in yeah. our intestines. It's called the mesentery. I'll have to check that out. And That's I, interesting. I, I, yeah, it's so new, and I literally just saw it 10 minutes before I came on the show, so I haven't had time to go read about it yet. Hmm. But we're, you know, we just found out not that long ago what the hell the appendix does. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and now we find out there's a new part of our digestive system. It wasn't that long ago we found out that 80% of our immune system is in our digestive tract. So obviously... There was a lot we did not know about digestion. We just found out recently about gut bacteria. We still don't even understand even a tiny fraction of that. But we know it's really, really important. So there's this whole function, which, by the way, turns out to be probably the most important function in our body, our digestion. Because without yeah. it, nothing else is going to work right. So here's this huge system in our body that is so critical to everything, and we know so little about it. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, you got the name right in the century. That's interesting. Yeah. Everybody go Google that. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I just got a message from Bridget. Um, she says, I hope you, it's okay if I read this, Bridget. I don't think there's any reason I shouldn't. It says she learned about mesentery in anatomy, but they considered it to be a peri, peri, ah, I can't say the word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> of the abdominal cavity, cavity, which is right. We kind of knew it was there. But we didn't really understand what it was doing, so it never got classified as an organ, but it turns out it really is. Wow. Yeah, kind of crazy. That's awesome. So what do you say we get to some calls? Yeah, that sounds great. All right, let's start off in Alberta. Brad, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. What's on your mind Hello. today? Uh, well, I started a ketogenic diet. I've uh, been listening to your radio show at night there. We get at 10 o'clock to 11 at night. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've uh, started a keto diet because I had a blood test, and it turns out I've got high uh, cholesterol, high blood sugar, not on medication for that yet, and high blood pressure. So well, I, I love the fact that you're, now. you're not on medication, and you said yet. And this is totally in your control. You should never have to go on medication for any of those three conditions as long as you eat the right foods. You will never need medication for your blood sugar, for your cholesterol, or your high blood pressure. We know all three of those can be fixed. It's exciting. So we'll talk about that when we get back. Stick around. Kevin Rothman.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim's here with me. We're going to get right back to the phones. We are talking with Brad in Alberta. Brad, Kim, just let me know. I had some notes here. Um, so you are on Lipitor for the high cholesterol. Is that correct? Yeah, it just two weeks ago put me on it. Do you do you know what your cholesterol numbers were? I uh, never asked. I just heard that I was high risk of the uh, stroke heart attack, and I just got on it. Got it. All right. So let's talk about that for just a second. Um, you probably are at high risk for stroke and heart attack, but it's not because of your cholesterol. Let's just start there. I, I agree that you are at high risk, but it's not because of your cholesterol. Some of it could be, but the cholesterol, the statin's not going to help. I mean, it's just as simple as that. This is one of the drugs that I will just say get off of it. I, I, I don't I don't need history. I don't I just get off of them. There is so much information about how much damage these drugs do and how little they help anybody. There is a tiny, tiny little bit of information that says if you've had a prior heart attack, there might be some benefit from taking a statin, but you'd get 20 times more benefit just by eating a better diet. And you wouldn't have all the side effects. So I, I would say, and one of the things I'd love to have you do is if you could get the cholesterol numbers to us, um, send yep. them to support letstruck.com. I'll run them through the calculators and we'll see what's really important in there. My guess is your triglycerides are going to be high. Your HDL is going to be low, but those can all be fixed with diet. And the fix you get out of the Lipitor is just not worth all the side effects. Now, did they happen to prescribe or recommend anything else because they put you on Lipitor? No. That doctor, in my opinion, should be put in jail. This amazes me. So your heart, he, he put you on a statin because he's afraid of you having a heart attack, right? The heart, one of the most critical nutrients for the heart is CoQ10. And statins not only block the liver from producing cholesterol, that's how they lower it, they also block the liver from producing CoQ10. And it, it, it's criminal to me to put somebody on a statin and not give them CoQ10 as a supplement. So I, I would say one of two things, quit the Lipitor, which would be my real recommendation, um, and you know, here's the other thing. You could talk to your doctor about this, ask him why. The problem is your doctor may not even believe in this, but he is forced. Right. Once you have that cholesterol reading, he has to give it to you. He has to recommend it. He has to write the prescription or he is in danger of malpractice. This is how much influence the pharmaceutical companies have over the medical community. The doctor should be the one that decides what you need. But the doctor doesn't get to decide that. So sometimes I'm bashing the doctors and, and it's not always their fault. It's the system more than anything. It's what they were taught. And not only what they were taught, it's what they are forced to do in many cases or face malpractice suits. Um, if you are going to stay on the Lipitor, absolutely add CoQ10 as a supplement. So what about the possibility of staying on it till my next three-month blood test and then being told I can come off it? Is that an, an, an yeah. option as yeah. well? well? Well, here's the thing. Um, everything is your option, Brad. You, you get to well, choose. Sure. Yeah. yeah, you get to choose. So clearly that's an option. Yeah, take it for so three. Being but on this high fat, sorry, being on this high-fat diet and being on the statin medication for three months, it's not a conflict of each other, and he'll see that oh, they no, have not that. At all benefits not at all he, here's the only conflict i see we know that a high fat low carb diet improves cholesterol numbers improves cholesterol right. numbers dramatically um we also know that lipitor will improve your cholesterol numbers that's been proven there's no question about that so the only conflict is at the end of the three months the doctor is going to claim it was the Lipitor that improved the numbers, and we're going to believe that it was the diet that improved the numbers. Right. So what about the danger of it being high and coming off while it's high? 
or, or your bad cholesterol or however it's just yeah 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 well i'm not even sure it's high or bad and and here's the thing we we this is such a confusing issue because cholesterol has been blamed when it's not the problem so high cholesterol is not what causes heart attacks or strokes it's inflammation that causes heart attacks and strokes the cholesterol is found at the scene of the crime trying to reduce the inflammation the best analogy right. i've heard is if every time you show up at a fire you see firemen there and you could start to blame the firemen for causing all the fires because every time there's a fire they're there that's what cholesterol is every time they looked at a heart attack and they looked at the blockage there was always cholesterol in that blockage so they started the blaming cholesterol. the inflammation right yep exactly i've cut that out so I, what i'm doing now is a 75 percent 20 percent five percent diet for the last two weeks 2160 calories a day and other people are noticing results even that i'm losing weight and whatnot and oh, with good. that, I've got a broken leg and I'm laid up, so I'm not doing any physical activity. Which is another good point um, that we've talked about a lot, that as much as we love physical activity, we want people to get out, be active, move around a lot, stand more often, get into hobbies and sports that keep you outside and active, absolutely believe in it. I just separate it from weight loss. The two have almost mm -hmm. nothing to do with each other. The, the, right. So, and, and this is proof because we see people who are very sedentary and obviously with a broken leg, you're going to be sedentary and yet they can lose weight. It's not calories in, calories out. It's not exercise, not, not when it comes to weight loss. Weight loss is 95% diet. The, the exercise will clearly help. For me, in the past three years, three years ago, I was 250. Uh, then I got thyroid cancer, got that cut out. And I, I gained 75 pounds. I've so far lost 25. Uh, and it just, now I've got all these other things kicking in. And I think the blood work was out of whack because I've been laying on the bed. That maybe a few numbers were higher than they might have been. Probably. So, yeah. There's a few things um, going on. But I'm hoping that with this, I, I can next year not be on seven different bottles of medication. Absolutely. And, and you will be able to. The only one you're not going to be, I would assume you're on Synthroid. I'm on, yeah, it's uh, three different dosages to equal what I need to take a day. So. Okay. So one of the things that we will want to address, um, and I would, I would give it the 90 days, let some of this stuff work itself out, let the ketogenic diet kind of kick in. You're going to see tons of benefits from that. At the end of that 90 days, the next thing I would probably focus on, because if you stick to this, your blood sugar is going to come down. Um, you yeah. can certainly, you know, follow our blood sugar protocols, and I'm going to be coming out with a couple new ones. All those things would help. At the end of the 90 days, what we're probably going to want to focus on for you is some real hormone balancing because of the missing thyroid. You know, the, right. the synth well, I heard show last night and it was making me think twice about my whole procedure. You, uh, it was a rerun I, show, I guess, but you were talking about thyroid and how there's more found and the cases of death haven't gone up and they're maybe doing things they don't need to do. There, there's a lot of evidence that it's not necessarily that there's any more thyroid cancer. We're just overdiagnosing it. Finding a better, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're just better at finding it and people you know they've done enough research to know lots and lots of people die with thyroid cancer but it's not killing them they died from yeah. something else they just happen to have it um so it's it's a lot more common but it's not one of those that tends to really progress in a lot of people but um the one thing i wouldn't do is go back and beat yourself up over any of those decisions because let we can move forward and just make sure that we're supporting your body not having a thyroid Right. Okay. Well, I got a couple questions with this keto diet since it's new to me. Okay, uh, go ahead. I've been getting lots of heartburn. Got it. Very common. Um, what happened is the keto diet has just exposed the fact that your digestive system wasn't working well. Um, and now it needs to 
it needs to function better now because you're eating at least as much protein as you used to, maybe even a little more, and a lot more fat. And all of a sudden, your digestive system says, hold on, we can't handle this. Um, but this right. is easy to fix. One of our most common um, problems that we fix off the bat is digestion. One of the things, I'm looking at the clock. Um, can I bring you back on the next show so we can talk about this? Yeah, you, I've got actually a lot to talk about. So if you've got the time, I'd like to. Will do, because this is a good topic. It, it's, um, you know, starting on the diet, you probably have a lot of the same questions and issues. So this is good to go back over it. So we will bring you back on the start of the next show and we'll talk about these things. Uh, anything to wrap up, Kim? Um, no, just um, I'm waiting to hear the, more talk more about the digestion and have people fill out their NutriQ. We have uh, results coming in the next few days. Excellent. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. Kevin Rothenberg. All right, everybody, we're going to do a second hour here. So hold on, we'll get started. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs. Back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. This is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cockerham. This is the show where we take your calls and answer your questions about everything health. You can ask about diet, food, nutrition, exercise, training, injury, drugs, disease, you name it. We'll talk about it here on the show. All you have to do is ask. We've been lied to for decades about our health. And it's killing us. And Kim and I are here to dispel some of those myths and help you understand how to reach your destination health. Kim, welcome back. Hi, so glad to be here, Kevin. Great to have you here. And uh, boy, you know, there, there's so much going on on the last show. I, I said if uh, I talked about everything I researched mm -hmm. over the holiday break, I, you know, I'd take up all three hours just talking, uh, but I'm going to spread it out some. Um, last show, we talked a lot in general about how the pharmaceutical companies seem to be even more and more aggressive all the time, more and more people being put on more and more medications, and everybody's getting sicker. And it, it, the big picture for us is we just need to fight back. And, and it's my belief that the only way to fight back is just knowledge. People just need to know what, what it really takes to be healthy. And the good news is it's just not that complicated. It can be if you dig too deep and there's so many different opinions, but all we have to do is, is really look at how humans were healthy for tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of years. They were healthy just by eating real food. And that's what our show's mostly all about. Just eat real food. Yeah, and um, and like you said, that clean whole food, and I think people don't believe that that's all it takes. And I, I encourage them to just get started and see the results themselves. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't. I, I think people think that this is more complicated. That you know, we live in a more complicated world now. Mm -hmm. But you know what? We are the same human beings we were a hundred thousand years ago. Our DNA hasn't changed. Our genetics haven't changed, and the way we stay healthy hasn't changed. We need to live as close to the way we lived 100,000 years ago as we can. We need to get outside more. We need to get more sunshine. We need to get you know, dirty more often. We need to throw away all the antibacterial crap they've been shoving on us. Um, we need to eat more organic local food. We need to eat more pastured, more animal products. Isn't that exciting? That, you know, that's my favorite. 
we, we get to eat more fat and more animals. Mm-hmm. So, Oops, I lost it. There's, um, there is a lot, but I, I, we have so many questions, and on this show, we don't normally get to uh, all the questions, and I'm thinking maybe we should. Now, I know we were going to bring Brad back on the show. Were we able to get him? I don't see him anywhere on the board. No, we lost him. I, um, and you know what's so great about Brad? It was his wife uh, had emailed into um, our support desk, and that's how we got some conversation going. Uh, they filled out the nature queue and got him on the show today to talk with you. And I think it, I knew, I knew you were going to say that about the Lipitor. I wanted to almost tell her that. I know Kevin's going to tell you, you know, but I love the way you shared it with him. You took it even further to say, um, you know, about the CoQ10 and, um, and let him decide. You go back to the doctor or ask, you know, find, find what works for him. Um, and so I did. I emailed, I did email her and say, you know, about a, see if he'd call back in here. So we'll see sometime throughout this hour if he gets back in. Because I know he has some really good questions that would help a lot of people. You know, the other thing, I, I, I got a real sense from Brad right right away. I mean, we, we haven't worked with him a lot. This is pretty new. The email came in. You sent me some notes. We got him on the air on the last show. But right away, and, and sometimes I just get a feeling for people. I get a feeling he's really committed to this. Like he's mm-hmm. going yeah. he needs to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is exciting. Wife. They're, they're doing it together. You know, they're, they're yeah. working together. And so that's, that's taken back control of his own health. Yeah. And that's exciting because when mm-hmm. people are that committed, the results are amazing. We've seen mm-hmm. it so many times and it's just amazing to watch somebody transform, see all their numbers improve, see them come off all these medications. Um, but you brought up a good point. Um, I think based on the research, and this is pretty obvious, I don't think this is controversial at all. The the heart needs CoQ10, critical, critical nutrient for the heart. In fact, it is the most critical nutrient for the heart. And doctors prescribe statins for heart health, but do they not know this? Do they not know that statins block the liver from producing CoQ10. See, most of us don't need to take CoQ10 as a supplement because our liver produces it. That's why we've never really heard of it as a supplement until just the last decade or so, if that. I I had never heard of CoQ10. I didn't even know what it was. Well, we didn't have to think about it much because our body makes it. The problem is statins block your liver from producing CoQ10. So the drug they're giving you to make your heart healthy is making it sick. And how can a doctor in good conscience not recommend supplementing with CoQ10 if they're going to put somebody on a statin? So the first thing I would tell anybody who is on a statin, if your doctor put you on a statin and didn't prescribe or recommend CoQ10, he can't prescribe it because it's over the counter, or maybe they can, I don't even know. But if they didn't at least recommend it, I would go back and ask them that question. I would at least start the conversation there. I would say, look, doc, I I did some reading. I did some research and I found out that, you know, this statin is blocking my liver from producing CoQ10. I'm concerned about that. I I would start the conversation there and, and let your doctor try to justify why he didn't recommend that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what else is it stopping? Is there anything else in that? I mean, do you know with any of these statins? And I haven't read the book. I know there's some great books out there on statins and and why you shouldn't take them. Um, what else? Is there anything else that goes on? Because it's going to stop oh, something. It's stop another. Well, stuff. here's here's what scares me about statins. We know, and I don't know if you're there yet, but you'll know this: that the liver has over 500 functions in the body. Those are the ones we know about. Those are the ones we understand. But we talked on our last show about all the things we're still learning about the body. Mm -hmm. So what else don't we know that the liver might be doing? If it does 500 things that we know of, over 500, it's a pretty complicated organ. And we're taking a drug that stops that organ from producing stuff. That's just a bad idea for, to me. Yeah. Even if you have bad cholesterol numbers, 
why would we want to stop the liver from producing a nutrient we absolutely have to have? Cholesterol. I'm not even talking about CoQ10 anymore. I'm talking about cholesterol now. Without cholesterol, we die. That's why our liver produces it. We don't have to eat it. Our liver produces cholesterol. Our body produces cholesterol. Why would we want to take a drug to stop that? That just makes no sense to me. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I was reading the book, The Big Fat Surprise, and it is just insane, infuriating <laughs> of what we've been taught all our lives because we're the same age. You know, what you had this feeling of cholesterol is just, uh, just scary. Really is. All right. What do you say we get to some calls? That sounds great. Let's do that. Let's start off in Ohio. Herschel, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Kim. I hear so. What's up? Um, well, as you know, I've got a new NTP, and she rec recommended, I'll spit it out here in a minute, that I get a different blood glucose monitor, and it's called Freestyle from Abbott uh, Diabetics. So I get the new one, and they sent it, just got like 10 strips to start with. And she said, as soon as you get it, I want you to take it with that. And out of the same sample, same drop of blood on your finger, uh, take it with that rely on you've been using from Walmart because I've seen them way, way off. Well, I said, okay. So I did. My rely on showed 110 and the freestyle showed 77. What? Hmm. Yes. 110 against 77. She said she has seen that in many, many people that she works with. And if you're somebody that does insulin and you think that number's that high and you take what it needs for that high of a number, she says she's seen a lot of people put themselves in real bad shape because of that, because the meter's wrong. So I have been noticing this in a lot of discussions in the NTP forums. People have been talking about this, and it's on my list of things to dig deeper into. So I'm glad you brought this up. Let me get to a break. We'll talk about it more when we come back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're talking with Herschel in Ohio. Kim, I, I've been seeing these discussions and it, it, I added it to my list. Um, seems to be a big issue right now. And uh, Michael was just sending me some text messages that uh, Jimmy Moore talks about this and there's only one meter he recommends. Um, and Michael says he knows a few type one diabetics and they have to really, really um, monitor their blood sugar closely and match insulin or they die. I mean, for a type one, it's critical to get this right. So some uh, type ones actually have permanent meters that read their blood sugar constantly. And, and he says they've tested it against. Now, we would assume that those are highly accurate, um, much more so than something you buy for 30 bucks at a, at a drugstore. But I would assume that if they sell these things at drugstores, that they should be accurate. Uh, we would all assume that, but obviously that's not the case. Um, so I looks like I have another assignment. Um, I'm going to move this one up the list because this is a pretty big deal. You know, if we look at what diabetes is and what the medical community tells people, basically 
the medical community says diabetes is high blood sugar and that can be counteracted with more insulin and drugs. So eat kind of whatever you want. I mean, they make some recommendations, but many of the recommendations they make are horrible for diabetics on what they should eat. But then they say, just, you know, measure your blood sugar and counter it with insulin. Well, we now know, if you read uh, Dr. Jason Fung's stuff, he's probably the leader in this field, um, that it's not the blood sugar that's the problem. It's the insulin itself that's the problem. And it's the insulin throwing everything out of whack. And so what do we do? We give somebody who already has too much insulin, a type 2 diabetic, we give them more. And now we find out the measurement we're using to determine how much insulin is wrong in many cases with these meters being so inaccurate. That, again, almost criminal in my opinion. Yeah, so, I don't, like I said, it only comes with like 10 strips. So yesterday, I've got more on order, but they're not in yet. Yesterday, I did mine. Uh, fasting was 96 in the morning. Then I took it before my lunch, and it was 73. And lunch was just a salad with olive oil and lemon juice. An hour and a half after, it was 84. Uh, before dinner, it was 78 after dinner 99 and then this morning fasting was 88 and i wonder what you thought of those numbers those and i was about to say before you even ask me those numbers are excellent those are those cool. are just really i i almost don't like to use the word but that's almost perfect blood sugar control i mean that's really what you're looking at you're looking at at really good numbers right where you want them when you're fasting and even after a meal you're not even exceeding a hundred but that it just doesn't get any better than that i mean you will never have a blood sugar issue or an insulin issue if you keep your numbers there okay then the question i have is what about coconut flour i found some organic coconut flour thought i'd give it a try my ntp wants me to use it for some stuff is it okay? I'm guessing that it is okay to use, but my question, does it taste like coconut? Because I haven't used it yet. And is it okay to use it as a breading as long as you use a good fat to fry up a piece of chicken or something like that? Uh, yes, 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 and yes. Let's go back <laughs> and yes, it's good to use. <laughs> yes, it's good to use. Yes, it tastes like coconut. Um, and yes, it's good to use as a breading, a starch, thicken gravies, fry stuff up in a good fat. The other thing you want to keep in mind on a, on a, a fat, anytime you're frying, try to keep your temperature down. You know, if we use a good saturated fat, beef tallow, lard, um, ghee, those kind of things, they can handle heat, but they will still get damaged. So we, we want to fry at the lowest temperatures we can get away with. And again, it's one of those things. Just just be aware of it. You know, when I, I deep fry, I, I have I love fried food. I have a deep fryer built in in my kitchen, um, not a countertop. Mine's built into the kitchen and I use it. I mean, I just the other day, I just deep fried two Cornish game hens. They're excellent. But I use a really high quality fat. Beef tallow is what I fry in. And I'm I'm down now to frying at 300 degrees. Not 375, not 400, not 350. I'm down to 300, and I'm going to attempt 275 and see if I can make it work. That's interesting because I was telling her only thing I could use to make an egg not stick in the daggone skillet was bacon fat. Well, she doesn't want me to use bacon fat because of it being a cured meat right now. So I said, okay, what do you want me to use? She said, well, either use grass-fed butter, and she's a fan of Kerrygold, or coconut oil. I said, well, I've done coconut oil, and it sticks to the darn pan, and I bust them every time. She said, turn your fire down. I said, what do you mean? So my stove's electric, and it goes up to 10 on the numbers. Well, I always have it on 5 right in the middle for medium, and it sticks every time. Well, we tried it yesterday morning and put it between three and four, and guess what? They didn't stick. I said, I'll be daggone. She was right. <laughs> and it's better for you. And it's better. We always want to cook at lower temperatures. High, high heat damages fats, so we want to cook at lower temperatures. 
Um, the other thing you could you try is to be patient and get up earlier. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.